Okay. Let's go to Titus chapter um, chapter 2 again. We're going to be looking at, into chapter 3 tonight, but I want to start in, in chapter 2 just to remind us of where we're at in our study here. Um, tonight I'm going to um, take it, you know, in terms of application, a, a little more um, horizontal here. And um, we've, we've been talking quite a bit about uh, we've been talking about both, but we, we've, we've probably main, mainly been focused on God's grace toward us, and certainly we'll be talking about that again tonight, but, but also, as, as we do that, primarily focusing on um, extending grace. So, uh, you know, previously we, we talked about rescuing grace, God rescuing us, um, for example, and we talked last week about training grace and how... Um, we are trained by the grace of God, Paul. We're going to read that in just a moment here. Paul says, For the grace of God um, has appeared, bringing salvation for all, training us. And then we, we went through that last week. So now I want to tonight focus in on um, extending um, grace to others. And, and uh, that's probably where we're going to be focusing a lot of our attention in the next few sessions. Um, so... Um, to pick it up, though, in context, let's go back to that verse I just mentioned and uh, said part of here. Titus 2, verse 11. Titus 2, verse 11. And this kind of gives us the background again. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. I'm going to stop there just for now, um, just to kind of recap quickly. But um, for the grace of God, Paul says, has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us. And we, this is where, again, we've been focusing a lot of, lot of attention. So not only were we, we saved um, initially, in other words, regenerated by the grace of God, and we talked about that when we were talking about rescuing grace, um, and, and keep this in mind as we go. Um, it's we are not saved by works, or you, or you could say it this way: um, works, good works, works don't produce grace. It's not like we we win God's favor. Good works don't produce um, grace, but grace does produce good works, and that's where Paul's going with this. He's, we're we're saved by the grace of God. The grace of God appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us. Training us, and we looked at both negative and positive aspects here. Training us, here's the negative aspect, to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. So the grace of God teaches us, trains us to reject ungodliness. Anything that's contrary to God, contrary to the will of God, or you could say inconsistent with God's character 
and will. It is, it is the grace of God that teaches us to reject those things. It's not that we um, somehow uh, just, just got on our own, you know, just got smart enough or whatever. It's the grace of God working in us, teaching us to reject ungodliness. So, again, Paul says it this way, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And then here's the positive aspect that we talked about. The grace of God is training us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. And all this is ongoing, by the way. In other words, the, the grace of God, uh, as we're, as we're uh, walking through this life, is training us, disciplining us to renounce ungodliness, and at the same time, training us or disciplining us, like we talked about uh, last week, disciplining us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. So it's, it's the grace of God is teaching us what, what not to do, what not to embrace, what not to engage in. And the grace of God is training us what to do, how to conduct ourselves. It's all a work of God's grace um, as, we're, as we're living in this present age. In fact, um, Paul says, um, while we're waiting is the idea there, that is the grace of God is training us to renounce ungodliness and training us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the now age. Now we're, we're being trained or we're being disciplined. So you think about, a, um, like we talked about before, we, we use the, Paul's analogy from Hebrews 12. You think about a, a runner, an athlete, and the, and the discipline that they have to, um, that they have to go through to, to get better, to, to grow at what they do, to get more skilled, to get faster, and so forth. Um, well, that's the, that's the picture in this word training or discipline. Now, as I said, Paul, uh, or not Paul, but the, the author of Hebrews uh, lays that out really well in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, God is disciplining us. All right, so that is He's training us, and that's, that's the same idea here. Training us what not to do, training us what to, to do while we're waiting. So it's in, the, it's in the present age while we're waiting for our blessed hope. So this is what's going on now in this world, in this life. A lot of times we, we talk about Christianity or the kingdom of God, salvation, as being, you know, you've heard the, the paradox, already and not yet. Well, this is, this is part of the already. <laughs> we're, we're, all, we're not perfect. That's, that's, part, that's the not yet. That's part of the not yet. So we're not perfect, but we are being trained. We are being disciplined now in this present age. We are learning to reject ungodliness, and to live self-controlled um, and godly lives. Or you just to put it simply, you can reject ungodliness and live godly. And that's, that's the idea here. That's the picture. So the grace of God is training us to reject what is inconsistent with God's character and will and training us to um, do what is consistent with God's character and will. While we're waiting for the blessed hope, uh, which of course is a reference to Jesus. So in other words, while we're waiting for the second coming of Christ, the appearing of the glory 
of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So while we're in this world waiting, it's not a passive waiting, Paul is saying. There are things that we do. There are things that we do while we're here. We've got work to do. In fact, according to the text, you know, we've got good works to do. That the grace of God is training us in. So, uh, again, to sum it all up, rejecting ungodliness, embracing and living out godliness. So that's while we're waiting. It's, it, again, it's an active, an active waiting. So it's not like we're just sitting on a hill somewhere um, waiting for the Lord to return. No, we, we, we are doing His will, being about His business while we wait. So waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us. He makes the point again here. That is, Christ gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. Similar concept. In other words, now we're rejecting ungodliness. So, so the idea is we're, we've been purchased out of by the grace of God, lawlessness. He redeemed us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. So, He's bought us out of lawlessness, works of iniquity, you could say, or evil, and He's purchased unto Himself a people um, whom he is purifying to himself, he purifies to himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So we, we were, and we're going to see more of this in a moment, but we, we were lawless and we were um, ungodly and, and living out that whole um, lifestyle. But now the grace of God is training us to reject ungodliness and lawlessness and to live godly and be zealous for good works. Now, Paul, um, and he's writing all these things to Titus, right, Who's, who is a um, teach, he's pastor, I mean, he's teaching uh, others. And so Paul tells him, as he comes off out of that sentence, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one... Disregard you. So he gives Titus a command to teach these things to the people, to the congregation, to the church. And then, so first there's this command to declare these things, and then where we're picking up tonight, um, verse in chapter 3, now he says, remind them. Remind them. So declare these things, and then remind them. So you've got a... Um, a reminder to be, you know, we've been using the term graceful. So, so we've got here a, a reminder to be graceful in our relationships. Paul's telling Titus, remind them, remind them that the grace of God is training them to reject ungodliness and to be zealous for good works. So here's, here's a reminder, um, and I'm going to give you a couple things here, but here's a reminder again to, to be graceful in our relationships. So chapter 3, verse 1, and I'm going to read 
Well, I'll just start with a few verses here. <clears throat> Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. All right? So, first, uh, and I'm, and, you know, I don't think he's giving us an exhaustive um, list here. He's, he's giving um, examples, examples of relationships and, and, uh, and then how we're to approach them. But uh, just to kind of generalize, break, break it down into two, two parts here. And the first is, is attitudes. I mean, he's, he's, he's addressing our attitudes. Remind them to be submissive, right? Submissive to rulers and authorities. Obedient. So these are, these are mindsets. Be in submission, be obedient, and to be ready for every good work. <laughs> I don't know about... Uh, y'all can probably identify with this, but, uh, you know, I, 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 it sometimes gets frustrating, you know, the missed opportunities. In other words, I see something after the fact, Oh, I could have done that, whatever that is, you know. Uh, I could have done this and so. You know, there was an opportunity that I just, I just blew. So, he's saying, be ready. Remind them to be ready for every good work. It's, it's part of what we're here to do um, in terms of kingdom work and in terms of um, declaring the gospel and, and, uh, and reaching people for Christ, Right? So, he's saying, have these mindsets or have this disposition or these dispositions, um, these attitudes. Be submissive to rulers and authorities. Uh, that's a good one. Good one for today, especially, uh, uh, it's always been a good one, but, but it, it, it's still relevant, right? Especially, um, you, you know, think when you, when you live in, in um, situations where Let's say politically, especially, things aren't going just exactly the way we'd like for them to go. And yet, we're Christians are, are reminded by the Word of God that the the powers that are in place, the rulers and the authorities, are ordained of God and put there by His own will and counsel. All right, so we're to be submissive as long as it doesn't. Um, cause us to compromise the will of God, right? I mean, if they tell us, just like in, we, we've talked about in the book of Acts, if they tell us to stop preaching the gospel, then obviously we have to disobey. If it causes us to disobey God, then no, we don't, we don't submit to any ordinance of man that causes us to disobey God. It's, it's already illegal in, in other countries, and Christians keep right on doing it. <laughs> and, and some of them go to jail for it. Some of them get beat up for it. Some of them um, get executed for it. Uh, they're not going to stop. We, we can't stop preaching the gospel. So, so, yeah, I mean, that's where the line is drawn. When, when, the, uh, when the commands of men, you know, come into conflict with the command of, of God, then that's where we cannot obey man. We must obey God. But... Most of the time, that's not the case. I mean, you take like, you know, the speed limit, there's no conflict with God's will. Uh, and the speed limit, right? Um, paying taxes, taxes, you know, higher than we would like. Uh, but uh, actually, we're instructed 
in the Word of God. Not only is it not in conflict, but, but the Word of God instructs us to pay our taxes. So, so you know, obey. And have, that, have, a, have a, an attitude of obedience. You know, live in submission. We ought, Christians ought to be the best citizens out there. Because that's, that's how we're called to live. Quiet, peaceably. Um, in fact, we could spend some time on that. You know, the, the, this legal term, um, um, how do they say it? Uh, disturbing the peace. That's a major thing. I mean, really, it ought, it ought to be in our minds. Because we are called to be peacemakers and peaceable. And, and we don't want to do anything to disturb the peace. And it's really not as light, a, even in the law, I mean, it's not as light a term as people take it a lot of times. It's a pretty serious thing, the idea of disturbing the peace, and it certainly ought to be for Christians. So we ought to have a, a mindset of submission. Right? And that's what he says. Remind them. Remind them to be submissive. They, they were definitely living in a time that was, um, <laughs> that was not, uh, let's just say it wasn't a bed of roses, uh, for, for Christians, right? And yet, you know, Peter says, submit to every ordinance of man. Paul says, obey those who have the, uh, you know, those who are, who are in authority in Romans uh, 13. Unless, like, you know, like the, when, when the Sanhedrin told Peter and John, you can't preach in Jesus' name anymore. All right, see, now they've got to draw a line and say, well, you know, we, we're going to obey God rather than men. But unless it comes to that, then, then we can do it. We can, we, can, we can be submissive and we can obey. So, remind them to be submissive against a, a, a disposition, obedient to be obedient. Um, and these things are really important for our day. Um, in, you know, I think uh, in our culture, um, these, um, oh man, we need revival of these things. Submission and obedience. Uh, These concepts are just about out the window. Uh, Personal autonomy rules um, in uh, in our culture. You know, everybody thinks, "Well, I don't I don't have to be submitted to anybody. I don't have to obey anybody." Um, But that's not the way that Christians are to be, regardless of what the culture says. So, be submissive, be obedient, and be ready for every good work. Yeah, just kind of think of that attitude. Prone to Good works, prone to doing good. Why? Because you want to glorify God. It's what Jesus was talking about uh, in Matthew 5. In fact, um, let me go there real quick. We want to do good works because we want to glorify the Father. We want to please the Father and we want to glorify Him. You are the light of the world. This is Matthew 5.14. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's, that's what we're after. Good works to the glory of God. So let your light shine, Jesus says. All right, so Paul um, goes on. There, there's uh, the ad- attitudes, dispositions to be submissive, obedient, 
ready for every good work. Now he goes right into um, some examples. Actions, you know, you could say. You've got attitudes, you've got actions. Um, some specific actions listed here. Um, some in the negative, some in the positive. Verse 2, Titus 3.2. To speak evil of no one. How's that? <laughs> speak evil of no one. I was going to bring a slide, and, uh, and I just didn't have time to do it, but I was going to ask Joel to put it up on the screen back here. Y'all remember Thumper in, uh, in the Bambi movie? Thumper had a little saying that he said his, his uh, mother taught him. What was that? <laughs> That's it. You can't say nothing nice, don't say nothing at all. Well, th- here's the biblical version. Speak evil of no one. Emphatic. I mean, it's clear. Just don't do it. This, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this, is, part of, this is part of rejecting ungodliness and living godly. This is part of what grace trains us to do. You know why? Because grace teaches us to be graceful. The the grace of God extended to us teaches us to extend grace to others. So, speak evil of no one. Um, in fact, let me, let me, I'm going to start over in verse 1 again and, and take them as they're listed here, and then I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about it. But remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. That's strong, isn't it? Very strong. Speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Be gentle. Show perfect courtesy toward all. I was, I was, uh, you know, I was looking at this. I, was, I, I, I put some things down here that's come to mind. Um, we'll go back to the speak evil of no one here. I'm gonna have you flipping a few pages here. Second Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians 12, look at verse 19. The second sentence, right in the middle of the verse. It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ and all for your upbuilding or or edification, beloved. Verse 20, For I fear that perhaps when I come I may find you not as I wish and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be Quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. Which, it, which, that um, comes with the territory, so to speak. I mean, it goes together. All, all of these um, um, things and, and the disorder. And, and the Corinthian church was, was full of all of these things, apparently. So, gossip, I mean, you think, speak evil of no one. That's what gossip is, isn't it? Speak, speaking evil of someone. And so Paul's saying, don't do it. Because it's ungodly. 
All right, and and that's not that's not a character trait we want to um, we want to portray. We want to be godly. Um, slanderers he uses here, and also uh, in Romans one thirty, the old, the old King James uses the term backbiters. Um, let me go there. You can turn there if you want. Romans one thirty. And this is a description of the ungodly. So these are definitely things we don't want to mimic. Verse 28, Romans 1, 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. So, so in other words, what, he, what Paul's about to describe here are, are characteristics of a reprobate mind and he goes on to say, um, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy. Another uh, one of the things that, that Paul um, rebukes the Corinthian church for, envy. Full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, there, there's the term I'm, I'm reading from the old King James here, um, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So, here's a, here's a lit. And here's a, here's a thing here. Interesting thing. Um, everybody's got a list. You know, I mentioned last week, uh, we, we, we got these extremes. Um, legalism. Over here on one side, antinomianism over here on the other side. Now, those are the extreme. Legalism, boy, I mean, you know, you, you come up with all these lists of do's and don'ts and say, you know, you must do this in order to be saved. So, for example, the Judaizers in Paul's day, they very subtly and very slyly, you know, they, they follow behind him and they come to these new Christian converts. And that's a great thing that you believe in Jesus, but you must also be circumcised and keep the law of Moses if you want to be saved. That's legalism. Now, on the, on the other extreme of that, you've got antinomianism, um, which is where, you know, where people are just taking license to sin. In fact, again, the Corinth, book of Corinthians, <laughs> both letters to the Corinthians, you, you find good examples of that. I mean, they're, they're just doing unimaginable Things, uh, mistreating each other, uh, even at the Lord's table, just unbelievable things, and and then all, engaged in all kinds of sexual immorality and, like I said, everything everything you can imagine. So you you th- those are the extremes, and then you know you got the whole range in between. But I you know I, I was thinking about this, and I found even the and this this happens a lot of times in the in the grace circles, you know, because we. We, we really emphasize grace, which is a good thing, by the way. I'm glad we do that. But we, we really emphasize the grace of God. But, but one thing that happens uh, sometimes is this antinomianism pops up its ugly head. And people say, well, you know what? 
Um, I mean, we just want to really de-emphasize works to the point that they're almost just non-important because we're saved by grace alone. Well, it's true that we're saved by grace alone. But as I said we're, we're, earlier, you know, we're not saved by works, but we are saved to works. And Scripture's clear on that. So we can't leave works out. We can't throw the law out or anything like that. Um, it's all important, and it plays a role. But I've noticed this, and even in, the, even in the, those camps, they have a list. <laughs> They're usually not scriptural. But they have a list. I mean, even the people that say, we, we, don't worry about works, you know, we don't, we don't need to be concerned with all of that. They, they usually say, well, you know, you can't drink, you can't smoke, you can't cuss. And, you know, they've got a list. Everybody's got a list. But here's the thing. What we need to do is make sure that our list comes from the Bible. Because I've, I've noticed, you know, a lot of times our list don't include things like gossip, backbiting. As a matter of fact, those things go on quite freely in the church. Where if I mean if if we had the same emphasis on drunkenness for you know I mean somebody'd be standing up and saying something. Well, we got you know we got all these drunks running around claiming it, but gossip we we give it a pass. Speaking evil of someone, we, we give it a pass. God doesn't give it a pass. He does not. And that's why Paul says, don't do it. That's why he lists it in Romans 1 as a characteristic of the reprobate. Backbiters. Right? Despiteful. Envious. Those, those things are very serious. And so... In, as Paul is writing to Titus and saying, here's, here's what the grace of God does. The grace of God, it, it doesn't just regenerate us and shut down and stop there. It trains us. It disciplines us. How? It, it, to do what? To reject ungodliness. Like speaking evil of someone. Like sexual immorality, like deceit, and so on and so forth. And it trains us to, that is the grace of God, trains us to live godly. So, so it teaches us to, to reject these ungodly characteristics and live out these godly characteristics. Just like a coach disciplines his athletes, his team or whatever, the grace of God is disciplining us. That is, it's teaching us, it's training us, it's bringing us along, working with us in godliness. And things, uh, to use Paul's wording in Titus, that things that accord with godliness, that are consistent with godliness. So, to go back to um, Titus 3, he says, remind them... Essentially, to have these attitudes, be submissive, be obedient, be ready for every good work, and remind them to have these actions. And he gives some examples. Like I say, it's not an exhaustive list, but these are, these are some examples. Avoid, um, or rather, don't speak evil of anyone. Avoid quarreling. 
And be gentle. Be gentle. Now I'm going to say this because I know it's true. It's in the Bible. I'm not saying, I'm not saying this because I, I'm, I'm, I have perfected it in my own life, okay? But I, but I can tell you a, a way to, for example, to, to avoid quarreling is to be gentle. Be gentle. A way to avoid speaking evil of someone is to be gentle toward them. I mean, that's part of being graceful. And the, the whole thing behind it is that God has been merciful with us. And therefore, we are merciful towards others by not speaking evil of them, by not quarreling with them being envious of them, and so forth. And here, here's that logic. I just said it, paraphrased it, but here it is. Here, here it is from Paul's pen in verse 3. For, that's a very important word. In other words, he says, he says, remind them to be submissive, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to not speak evil of anyone, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For... In other words, he's, he's going to give a reason now. Here, here's why. Here's why they should do this, Titus. Here's why you should remind them. Here's, here's why all of us Christians should live godly. For we ourselves... And remember, when I say live godly, like I said tonight, the emphasis is on horizontally. So I'm not just talking abstracts here. I'm not just saying, you know, let's have these wonderful ideas. I'm talking about living them out. And here's why. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. You know what he's saying? We ourselves were once slaves to ungodliness. And we were not deserving of God's grace. I mean, if you're going to adopt a theology of salvation by works, um, go right ahead, but you will never be saved. Because we don't produce the good works. Sometimes people think, what, how, what do I do? You know, how, how much good do I have to do to be saved? It, it doesn't matter because you, you don't do any good. This, this is what we do. What verse 3 is describing. When left to ourselves, this is what we do. So Paul is saying, I, I want you acting gracefully, fully toward one another because God has had grace on you. This is where you once were. But, verse 4, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He rescued us. Remember that from before? So, Paul's just using simple logic there. You say you are recipients of grace? Then, bestow grace. And if we come back and say, well, but Paul, look, take my word for it, Paul, they don't deserve it. I mean, you don't know what this person does to me or has done to me. Then Paul comes right back and says, remember where you were? Do you remember where you were when God rescued you? 
In other words, what he's saying is there's, there's no essential difference in us and them, whoever the them is. I mean, it might, it might be a coworker, it might be your spouse, it might be your kids, it might be your neighbor, it might be all of the above. I don't know. Whoever the them is that just rubs you the wrong way. <laughs> Paul's saying, remember, you rub God the wrong way. Remember, you offended God. And after all, what's, what is the greater offense? Offending me or offending God? And yet, God had mercy. He bestowed His grace on His enemies. Still does. In, in, as far as, uh, um, I mean, not only saving grace, but as far as uh, common, what we call common grace. Jesus talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount too. Son rises on the just and the unjust. And the rain falls on the just and the unjust. God still bestows His grace on God-haters. So Paul's saying, don't let them forget that, Titus. Because it'll, it'll, they, they need to remember that to help them live graceful in their relationships with others. So it's a reminder, right, for graceful reminder to be graceful in our relationships. And that second part I just got through is is a reason, right? A reason to be graceful in our relationships. Because God had grace on us, mercy on us. We didn't deserve it either. We don't deserve it either. Yet, God had mercy. He saved us. And I'm just going to read this and, and be done. I was going to go further, but we're out of time. But I want to read this, this part here. Again, uh, at the, uh, verse 5. He saved us, rescued us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So, Paul is saying, God, that's what God did for us now. Do that for others. I mean, it's like Jesus saying, Now I've washed your feet. Wash one another's feet. All right. Any um, comments before we dismiss? Or questions? Think about, for example, Jesus said, Jesus really shocked him when he said, Love your enemies. <laughs> and he said, If you if you love those who love you, what more do you, what more have you done than, than the heathen? You know, the ungodly. In other words, even that can be just characteristic of ungodliness, loving those who love you. And Jesus said, You do that, what have you done more than the ungodly? But no. He says, I tell you, love your enemies. Love those who hate you. Pray for them. Those who hate you, who despitefully use you. So, yeah, all men. All men. Especially the brethren, but all men. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's pray. Brother Adway, if you'll lead us in a word of prayer, we'll, we'll dismiss.